Hi, and welcome to Healing Quest, your healthy lifestyle show. I'm Judy Brooks. And I'm Roy Walkenhorst. When we talk about a healthy lifestyle, we're talking about holistic wellness and the natural options for achieving optimum health. Well, thanks for joining us today. We have a great show lined up for you. Fascinating facts and information that may surprise you. And also a big question to ponder. Well, the question arises from the light that we're beginning to see at the end of the pandemic tunnel. That question is, what have we learned? (laughs) I know that sounds like something we'd say to one of our kids who just had a bad experience of some kind. I'm just thinking, you know, when we say one of the kids, like I can remember saying that when, I don't know, Craig was five or six and now then they were teenagers and now they're adults. And, you know, that what have we learned um, works in all those age groups. Well, it works for me. <laughs> well, uh, some you know very smart people have actually done some very deep thinking about lessons from the pandemic and how those lessons, if we're paying attention, could help us all avoid ever having to endure this kind of a pandemic again. One of those smart people is going to join us in about 10 minutes, and I bet you're going to want to hear his answer to what have we learned. Also today, we're going to spend some time with a renowned psychiatrist and researcher who's created a new psychotherapy tool. It's a book that uses the power of poetry to heal body, mind, and soul. His name is Norman Rosenthal. He's a clinical professor of psychiatry at Georgetown Medical School in Washington, D.C., and he's curated and written a book titled Poetry Rx, How 50 Inspiring Poems Can Heal and Bring Joy to Your Life. He says poetry can serve both as a balm for the mind and body and a vaccine for the soul. And I love that. We're really looking forward to our conversation with him. But first, for all of the daydreamers out there, and I'd have to include myself in that, uh, we have a scientific update on that topic. A study just published in the journal Emotions suggests that directed daydreaming can really be good for us as compared with the standard daydreaming, which usually has a lot of anxious or negative thoughts. The study was conducted by Aaron Westgate, a psychology professor at the University of Florida, along with colleagues at Harvard and the University of Virginia. They want us to turn our idle moments to daydreaming about pleasant thoughts, which will boost our well-being. Now, what they mean by pleasant thoughts, uh, they suggest things like happy memories, future accomplishments, or maybe an event you're looking forward to. Participants in the study say they enjoyed directed daydreaming 50% more than when they simply thought about whatever came in in their minds. Well, the goal is to direct your daydreaming along a positive path, to, to give yourself a sense of relief and happiness. The result can be a longer life. That's a good result. One study found that over 30 years, happy people had a 14% lower risk of dying early compared to unhappy people. That doesn't surprise me, really. And in fact, researchers even have a happiness exercise to suggest. Step one is making a list of five meaningful and pleasant things in your life. Step two is is sitting in a quiet spot and breathing slowly and letting your mind wander over those topics for maybe about five minutes. And the results, scientists say, is that you'll have more optimism and resilience in your day. Sounds like meditation light to me, and it's... (laughs) It's also another way to get that done. And by the way, if you can do your daydreaming outside in nature, the benefits are even bigger. Remember that story we did a while ago on the so-called nature pill? Researchers at the University of Michigan have determined that taking 20 minutes to stroll or sit in a place that makes you feel connected with nature can efficiently lower the stress hormone cortisol in your system. 
The researchers did the study to give healthcare practitioners evidence-based guidelines on how to help their patients deal with the stress of urban life. I, I think you were telling me that during the eight-week study, participants had their nature experience at least three times a week, and the only limitations were that they had to do so in daylight and without any social media. Okay, this this is the, the big caveat. Mm-hmm. No, no internet, no phone calls, no conversations, no reading. That's kind of the tough part for most people. But the study showed that the greatest payoff in terms of reducing cortisol levels came from 20 to 30 minutes of a nature connection. And boy, that's what does it for me, you know. Wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if you start hearing about the nature pills being a big new trend in, in dealing with stress. Uh, one of my teachers, Angelus Arian, had a lot to say about that, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in my Wild Woman Wisdom segment later in the show. And also today, I have an update on a conversation we had a few weeks ago about the importance of silence in our lives from a wellness standpoint. The conversation, you may remember, was with Dr. Raleigh Duncan, founder of Clearlight Infrared Saunas, which is based in Berkeley. Now, the saunas are in use across the U.S. and around the world, and we're fortunate to have one of them here at our house. We were talking with Dr. Duncan about the value of the sauna as a sanctuary, a place of quiet and stillness that's all too rare these days, but a place that's more needed than ever. If you're just joining us, I'm Roy Walkenhorst. And I'm Judy Brooks, and you're listening to Healing Quest, and we're talking about the healing power of silence. Now, that's something we don't ever like to hear on the radio, (laughs) Uh, but uh, we're not talking about the radio. You know, a few days ago, Roy came across a a very well-done analysis of why silence is so powerful and healing as an antidote to the noise in our world, which can be so harmful. And, you know, it's very hard to find any place where it's actually really quiet, unless you're high up in the mountains, I think. As an example of that, a study by Professor Gary Evans from Cornell University showed that school children near the airport in uh, Munich, Germany, developed a stress response that caused them to ignore the airport noise. Professor Evans found that the children ignored both the harmful noise of the planes along with the more everyday noises like speech. That study is frequently cited as proof that noise causes stress and is harmful to humans. Scientists say noise travels via the ear to the brain as electrical signals that lead to the release of a stress hormone even when we're sleeping. So living in a consistently noisy environment leads to high levels of these harmful hormones. Silence, on the other hand, is restorative. And researchers say silence helps new cells differentiate into neurons and integrate into our cognitive system. A Duke University regenerative biologist, uh, there's an interesting title, huh? Regenerative biologist. Anyhow, that title exists, and so does he, and he found that daily doses of silence prompt cell development in the hippocampus, which is the brain region involved in forming memory. That's why many meditation practitioners advise taking frequent meditative pauses throughout the day. You know, well, we do try to do that. And and when we don't, we feel the difference. You know, it's just another one of those things you just have to be mindful about. And that's one of the things we were actually talking to Dr. Duncan about was it's so great to have this infrared sauna because we can get in it. And it's really a sanctuary, uh, not total silence, but very close to silence, and it gives us a chance to take that break. 
Well, speaking of that break, (laughs) we're going to take one now. But up next in our show, uh, what the pandemic can teach us about how to live longer, happier, and healthier. And don't forget, podcasts of this and all of our Healing Quest shows are available at our website, HealingQuest.tv. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Healing Quest. I'm Roy Walkenhorst. And I'm Judy Brooks. And you're listening to Healing Quest on iHeartRadio. Healing Quest is brought to you by Clearlight Infrared, makers of jacuzzi saunas whose infrared heating technology penetrates deep to boost the immune system, increase blood flow, reduce stress, and detox naturally. You can learn more about jacuzzi saunas at infraredsaunas.com. That's infraredsaunas.com. And use the promo code HEALINGQUEST. Or you can call Clearlight at 1-800-798-1779. That's 1-800-798-1779. Hi, I'm Roy Walkenhorst. And I'm Judy Brooks, and welcome back to Healing Quest. You know, our focus is the natural options that are available to all of us to help us achieve optimum health. Well, vaccines, especially the COVID-19 ones, are very much in the health headlines these days, and, and the news is encouraging. But with those headlines have come a number of questions, including whether or not we've learned anything from the pandemic we're all enduring. And what, if anything, we can do to reduce our chances of, of ever having to go through something like this again? To help us explore those issues, we're pleased now to be joined by research microbiologist Kieran Krishnan, the chief science officer of Just Thrive Health. Kieran is joining us from his home base in Chicago, where they've been enjoying some 70-degree weather. Hi, Kieran. Hi, Kieran. Hi, Roy. Hi, Judy. Great to be with you. Uh, it's always good to have you here. Kieran, you're the, you're the chief science officer for Just Thrive Health, and, and Just Thrive is a major force in the natural health world these days. So with, with all the focus on vaccination now, what kinds of questions are you and your colleagues at Just Thrive getting these days? You know, there's a there's a couple of parts to that. Uh, one is the the biotech and the pharmaceutical and the, the medical world. You know, they they came together to put together this this uh, certain treatments. Of course, there's a number of uh, approved treatments for people with severe cases of COVID, which which have been quite successful. So those are in place. And then, of course, getting these vaccines done in absolute record time with with new vaccine platform technology. That's been their role, right? You know, so in our world, we we work in the space of preventative care, right? That's that's really the idea behind what we do uh, in the dietary supplement, nutritional, functional food type of um, type of marketplace. But the big question that came about through uh, through this pandemic and the and the really clear illumination for everybody was that our population, in particular, is and was uniquely susceptible to this type of pandemic virus, right? And the reason for that is because of our health condition. You know, 60% of American adults have at least one chronic illness and closer to 50%, somewhere between 40 and 50% have multiple chronic illnesses, at least two, right? And these chronic illnesses, all of the things under the metabolic syndrome spectrum and all that, those clearly through the course of the pandemic, based on all of the data that have come out, 
make people more susceptible to these types of infections. So it compromises immune response. It compromises the basic ability of your body's immune system to protect you. And so our world is all about how do we improve people's overall health and wellness? Because even though the, the pandemic virus created a specific type of disease, the susceptibility to the virus is a factor of the lack of health and wellness in our society. And so what we are really getting as questions and conversations is, A, you know, what did we learn from this pandemic? And B, what can we do to improve the overall health and resilience of our population? And that's where we come in, right? We can't count on the pharmaceutical companies and the biotech companies to do that part for us. The natural health space is where that sits, and that becomes our role and our function. If you're just joining us, I'm Judy Brooks. And I'm Roy Walkenhorst. You're listening to Healing Quest, and we're talking with research biologist Kieran Christian about lessons from the pandemic and what we can all do to begin adopting those lessons right now. now uh, what can the average person do to contribute to ending the COVID-19 pandemic? You know, I think part of it is, is maintaining a certain degree of caution still. I think people should be out meeting with each other, families, friends. I'm getting it, getting together with more families and friends, um, you know, but I'm still avoiding things like bars, right? If bars are open, uh, I'm not going. It's just a very crowded uh, indoor environment that, that can still cause spikes and spreads of the virus. Um, and again, you know, the, the problem with those spikes and spreads and all that, th there's a, two major issues. I think we will control deaths and, and really severe disease pretty well. So I'm not so much concerned about lack of hospital beds and ventilators and deaths and so on as much, as much as I'm concerned about uh, things like creating new variants, right? Because the more it spreads and, and, and the more it causes infection in more people, that's how you develop these variants. That's the nature of viruses to evolve, to become more effective at what they do, which is infecting their hosts, right? So we will end up getting more infectious versions. We'll end up getting potentially more lethal versions, and that can really turn the tide in an unfavorable way. So I would say as we're bringing this under control, as people are getting immunized, um, as we're cl getting closer to that herd immunity, we should still maintain some degree of caution uh, so we're not specifically causing these super spreader type of uh, events. You know, ultimately, like we can't control other people's behaviors, right? So if people are doing things that you may or may not agree with, no matter what end of the spectrum that you're on on this, whether you're on the end that says, you know, all of this is nonsense, just go about life as normal, or you're the other end where you're like, I'm not leaving my house ever again. Uh, no matter what end of the spectrum you're on, you can't control other people's behaviors. So one of the most important things you can do besides controlling your own behavior is actually controlling your own health, right? So improving your health, improving your own resilience helps you not become a reservoir for these kinds of infections that then spread on to others, um, you know, in, in, in a sig significant way. So improving your own health, taking charge of your own health, that's going to be a really important thing to keep in mind. Because remember this, one of the things that I've said throughout the last year is this pandemic has come, but it will be gone, 
right? But the thing that's not going to be gone is the degree of sickness that is present in our population, right? And that degree of sickness is part of the reason why we had such a bad go of this pandemic and lost so many lives, right? That'll stay even when this virus is gone and this virus will be gone at least out of the forefront um, at some point here soon. And the illness, the rate of illness, the rate of uh, the lack of health will will remain unless we make those changes. And, and there's so much people can do. They have so much control over their outcomes, much more than we knew even five years ago. And so, you know, basics of, of maintaining your gut health, that can have a profound effect in your overall, um, overall health. So when we talk about um, maintaining our gut health, um, uh, so I have in the last year, for example, um, uh, doubled my dose of probiotics every day, and I'm really trying to be good at the prebiotics. And so, am I? Are we at a point now where I can sort of back off of that a little bit? And what what would be the ingredients for going forward from today for me? You know. Um, you're not the first person to ask me that question because um, what a lot of people have found is that, you know, going through this health crisis, people did double up and increase their dose of lots of nutrients, including the spore-based probiotics, including their prebiotics, even things like vitamin D and so on. Um, and and they're wondering when can they back back down. My uh, my continuous response to them has been how did you feel when you increased the dose, right? Did you feel better? What was already helping you feel good? Did that make you feel even better? Because there is a dose response to some of these um, items, including the spore-based probiotics and the prebiotics. And in fact, we found over the last eight, nine years of working with these products that there are some people that just need a higher dose. It depends on all of the stressors on your system, right? Both chemical, personal, whatever it may be. And so if you felt better in a, or in an improved state with the higher dose, I would stick with the higher dose because you want to maintain that resilience and you want to maintain that beneficial feeling. Um, if you if you didn't feel any different, then you were probably at the right dose and you can just go back to your old dose and then only bump it up should there be an acute problem, right? And and so that's that's kind of my general recommendation to people. I just can't resist saying, I, I think I felt better I think I think I felt better because I I knew that I was uh, doing things that would, were really helping my immune system. And if I was unlucky enough to encounter the virus, I think I was in a pretty good shape, a pretty good space to fight it off. So I think it was as much mental as anything else in terms of feeling better. Absolutely. And you know what? That's a great state to be in right now. Some people will say, well, that's a placebo effect. Well, um, one of the greatest medicines, in my view, is the placebo, right? <laughs> Imagine being able to heal yourself with, with, with just your mindset. Um, and, and that just shows you the power of the human uh, condition. Um, so if you felt better, it means your cortisol levels are likely lower. Things like norepinephrine, epinephrine, all these stress hormones, maybe your serotonin and dopamine were higher, right? There is a chemical signature to feeling better. Right, whether the feeling better comes specifically from that higher dose or comes from the idea that you're taking a higher dose and you're more protected, there's nonetheless a chemical change that occurs in your body. And that chemical change is actually associated with better health. So to me, if you feel more secure and better, do it. 
And, and I got to just, uh, we got to stop, but I do have, I can't resist saying, I think I felt better because I, because of the research that you've shared with us over all the months we've talked, which I, which I know I'm not making this up. Yes. <laughs> There's a study there, which proves that, that this is true. So thank you. My pleasure. Science, science always wins, right? Science always trumps everything. So. Thank you, Kieran. We've been speaking with Kieran Christian. He's the chief science officer for Just Thrive Health about the latest efforts to bring the COVID-19 panic to and, and what we can all do to support that process and improve the overall health of our country. You can find out more about Kieran's work and the probiotics he recommends at justthrivehealth.com. That's justthrivehealth.com. And remember, you can find a podcast of this and all Healing Quest episodes on our website, healingquest.tv, where you can also find some of our favorite finds and picks, products we've vetted and use ourselves that we want to share with you. Well, I love the True 47 Silver Antimicrobial Masks and Scarves, and you've heard me talk about them before on the show if, you're, if you've listened, and if you have been listening, thank you very much. They are super effective, and they're pretty, and I, I don't go anywhere without mine. Plus, they have a, a wide variety of other silver products to choose from to help us all stay safe and healthy, and if you don't remember, it's because... They are 99, I think, 0.9% effective against virus, bacteria, and fungus. So, you know, it's something, even if we're not in the middle of a pandemic, I think I, I like mine a lot. And one of my favorite picks is the So True Organic Beet Powder, not only for its cardio health benefits, but also for enhanced workouts and enhanced sexual performance because of the nitric oxide boost. And remember, when you shop with us, not only have we done the research and vetted these products, making it easier for you, but you're also helping support us in bringing Healing Quest to you every week. Up next in our show, a look at the power of poetry to heal. And please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Healing Quest. I'm Judy Brooks. And I'm Roy Walkenhorst. You're listening to Healing Quest on iHeartRadio. Healing Quest is brought to you by Clearlight Infrared. Makers of jacuzzi saunas whose infrared heating technology penetrates deep to boost the immune system, increase blood flow, reduce stress, and detox naturally. You can learn more about jacuzzi saunas at infraredsaunas.com. That's infraredsaunas.com. And use the promo code HEALINGQUEST. Or you can call Clearlight at 1-800-798-1779. That's 1-800-798-1779. 1779. Hi, I'm Roy Walkenhorst. And I'm Judy Brooks, and welcome back to Healing Quest. This is your healthy lifestyle show. Our focus here is uh, the latest in new ways of achieving holistic wellness and optimum health. And we have one of those innovative new ways for you today. It, it comes from Dr. Norman Rosenthal, a renowned psychiatrist and researcher. Dr. Rosenthal is best known for defining seasonal affective disorder, also known as SAD, which we've talked a lot about here on Healing Quest. What he's known for is pioneering the use of light therapy to treat it. And now Dr. Rosenthal has created a new psychotherapy tool. It's a book that uses the power of poetry to heal body, mind, and soul. He's joining us now from his home base in the Washington, D.C. area. Hi, Dr. Rosenthal. Welcome to Healing Quest. Hi, Dr. Rosenthal. Dr. So great to be here. 
It's great to have you with us. Uh, we're really looking forward to this conversation today. First of all, congratulations on the book. Uh, what's it called and what's it about? <laughs> it's called Poetry Rx, How 50 Inspiring Poems Can Heal, Bring Joy to Your Life. I love that. How did you come up with the, the 50 poems to, to put in the book? Well, over my lifetime, I've collected poems that have been very meaningful to me that have consoled me, comforted me, given me joy at certain pivotal points in my life. And serendipitously, I came across the discovery, probably not my discovery, but you know, it's like discovering a new restaurant. You haven't actually discovered it, but <laughs> for you, it's like a discovery because it's brand new. And that's how it's been with me and my patients who have responded to particular poems. When this or that circumstance would arise, I would think about a poem. I've always loved poetry. I would think about a poem that might help them. And to my surprise and delight, often it did. And so over the years, I gathered a whole bunch of poems together. And then when I thought of putting them together, it was hard to pare them down to 50 because there are so many wonderful poems. But these are divided into five different categories. And so 50 seemed like a good number. More would have been too many and fewer would have shortchanged the great treasury that we have. So, so how do you use the poems with your patients? Well, one poem, for example, is by Rumi. Out beyond ideas of wrongfulness and rightfulness, there is a field. That's how it starts. And what it basically says is, Let's not worry about who's right and who's wrong. Let's find common ground here. And so often that's an issue with my patients, maybe a husband and wife, and they come to me as though I'm the judge in a courtroom having to adjudicate the rights and wrongs. And I educate them that that's not my role. Uh, my role is to help them rediscover what brought them together in the first place and keep them together, not to decide who's right and who's wrong. And, and it's a sort of curious notion to them, but so brilliantly expressed in this very short poem by the genius of Rumi. That's one of my favorite Rumi poems. And um, I, I say that often, there's a field and I'll meet you there, you know, so <laughs> lovely. So beautiful, isn't it? It's just, it, it, it is. no preconditions. I'll meet you there. I'll meet you there. Right. So you've been quoted as saying that poetry can serve as both a, a balm and a vaccine for the soul. And I, I love the definition of a vaccine for the soul, especially since we're all sort of focused on vaccines these days. Is that how it, 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 it worked in your life? You know, it did because, you know, a balm is something that soothes you in the moment. A vaccine is something that stays in your system and comes to the fore when you most need it. And I remember when I was leaving South Africa, I came across an obscure poem, but a wonderful one called Letter to My Mother. It's by a Nobel Prize winning poet called Salvador Quasimodo. And um, it is about uh, a young man who went north, left his mother in the south of Italy, and now realizes that she's aging, and writes to her thanking her and recognizing that she's not going to be long with them and how that evokes so many feelings in him. 
And when I was leaving South Africa, I felt really quite badly and guilty about the people I had left behind. I was going to an exciting new life in North America and they were staying behind and we would not see each other very often. And I realized that what would happen is what has happened this last year is that probably when my mother died, I would not be there at her bedside. It just wouldn't be feasible, probably. And we talked about that. And I think that's what's happened in this aid, uh, in this pandemic. That's what's happened in this COVID-19 pandemic is that dear ones could not be at the bedside of the loved one. And so this poem was like a vaccine and it sat in my mind and I would recite it to myself and it comforted me again and again. I shared it with other people. And so that's what I mean by that. Well, I, I, I love that definition. You know, you're a, a clinical professor of psychiatry at, at Georgetown Medical School in D.C. What's been the reaction of your colleagues to, to, you, to, to you using poetry as a psychotherapy tool? Well, it's, it's interesting. So far, they haven't yet had a chance to react because the book is only just coming out. Yeah. But I say that I did immunize myself with light therapy <laughs> because when light therapy first came out, when we first innovated it and described seasonal affective disorder, people, many people thought it was quite funny I remember a colleague calling me to the side at a conference and saying, let's stand under the light because I'm feeling a little depressed, you know, like it was a big joke. Yeah. And now it's a mainstream treatment. So after teasing me and giving me a hard time with light therapy and that being vindicated, uh, I went on to talk about the value of meditation uh, or the value of Botox for depression and all of these have been validated. And now my clinical impressions and my understanding and even my reading of the literature, there's science behind it as well, tells me that this is really potent stuff and we really need to know about it. And we should broaden our lens and look at the whole patient and look at the context and look at the background, not just the lab results. Right. Well, you're 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 addressing the mind, body, and the spirit, and that that yes. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, you can't really heal anything without addressing all three of those. You know, that's always been that's our true. belief. If you're just joining us, I'm Roy Walkenhorst, and I'm Judy Brooks, and you're listening to Healing Quest, and we're speaking with Dr. Norman Rosenthal about his new book that uses the power of poetry for psychotherapy. Dr. Ursula, in the few minutes that remain, I, I'm just curious, how would you like your book to be used by people who aren't in therapy? Well, the nice thing about the book is that it casts a very broad net and it is very practical. With each poem, I give certain takeaways. What can you learn from this poem that you can take and use in your own life? How can this poem make your life better? So because I know not everybody can go to therapy, nor everybody needs to go to therapy, I've wanted to take poems that were potent and show exactly how they can help. I remember one time my son coming to me and asking me whether he could go on New Year's Eve and ride with some kid who's had a number of accidents before, 
And I said, no. And he said, why not? I said, read this poem. And I showed him Musée de Beaux-Arts by W.H. Auden, which talks about how tragedy occurs in a moment, unexpectedly. And I said, that's how people die, suddenly, unexpectedly. And it might seem all very well ahead of time, but this guy's had a number of accidents already. And no, we'll all have New Year's Eve together. And then he called me years later when he had that poem in his college course. And he said, guess what they've given us to study in poetry? And we <laughs> laughed together, thinking back at that incident. Uh, that's a wonderful tool. <laughs> poetry is a parenting tool. Uh, I, I like it. Um, well, do you, do you have a favorite poem or two you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Well, yes. Um, you know, it's spring and the daffodils are out. So I really couldn't resist reading daffodils. So if I may, I will read it now. Da lovely. Thank you. Daffodils by William Wordsworth. I wandered lonely as a cloud that floats on high or veils and hills, when all at once I saw a crowd, a host of golden daffodils, beside the lake, beneath the trees, fluttering and dancing in the breeze, Continuous as the stars that shine and twinkle in the Milky Way, they stretched in never-ending line along the margin of the bay. Ten thousand saw I at a glance, tossing their heads in sprightly dance. The waves beside them danced, but they outdid the sparkling waves in glee. A poet could not but be gay in such a jocund company. I gazed and gazed, but little thought what wealth the show to me had brought. For oft when on my couch I lie in vacant or in pensive mood, they flash upon that inward eye, which is the bliss of solitude. And then my heart with pleasure fills and dances with the daffodils. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Uh, oh, that's it's so a beautiful. It's for so, today. It is. It is. When I'm out on my right, I'm, when I'm out on my walks, the daffodils are all dancing, and and and, and they they do seem like they're smiling sometimes. You know what? What a wonderful poem. Well, what a pleasure to get to to meet you on this call and to discuss poetry. I know I. Um, I was interviewing um, Sarah Wilson a few weeks ago, and she she has a new book out called "This This One Wild and Precious Life," which is you know from a poem from Mary Oliver, uh, and. Uh, and one of the things she talks about in her book is deep reading and poetry and how that is uh, that is that takes us to this place inside that that begins to fill us up again. And I think that's what I'm hearing you say, that it is. Um, it's a very deep and soulful connection, really. Yeah, I guess. that Yes. It, yes. And 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 so many of us forget about poetry. I mean, I don't think it's as popular today, and maybe you're going to bring that back. I hope so. I think it's ready for a resurgence. I was just going to say thank you for curating the book and also uh, and, and organizing it in a way where, where there's a takeaway uh, in each chapter that's designed for us to get. I can't wait to get it in your hands because the other thing I've done is I've taken a little bio of every poet, and I've connected that bio with a poem. So I've shown how it makes an integrated whole. You can see how that poem authentically arose from that particular poet. Um, it's, it's so much fun. 
Oh, it's that, that sounds beautiful. And, you know, authenticity is what we need so much more of in the world today. So, uh, well, again, congratulations. Thank you. You know, next month is May is Mental Health Awareness Day. I know. So to, towards Memorial Day, I would love to share with you a poem uh, by the Russian poet Anna Akhmatova, who was terribly traumatized during the Stalinist era. And I've included a poem in my collection that talks about the effects of trauma because PTSD and meditation for PTSD has been a huge interest of mine. And now I see poetry as another tool in that regard. We would love to have you back and uh, on a Memorial Day show and uh, because we, you know, we know all know how our veterans are suffering so much with PTSD, so many of them, and and uh, anything we could do to help. So, so that would good. We have something to look forward to. Absolutely, <laughs> what a pleasure to meet you both, and thank you for having me on your show. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you next month. Thanks, Dr. Rosenthal. We've been speaking with Dr. Norman Rosenthal about his new book entitled Poetry Rx, How 50 Inspiring Poems Can Heal and Bring Joy to Your Life. The collection is scheduled to be released on May 4th, and we thought we would uh, bring this to you today since April is National Poetry Month. You can find out more about uh, Dr. Rosenthal's book and his work in general at the website normanrosenthal.com. Well, up next in the show, I'm going to be sharing an excerpt from my latest Wild Woman Wisdom podcast uh, this week. I'm talking about the challenge of hitting the wall. So I don't know if that's happening for any of you, but just in case uh, you've kind of felt some of that wobble lately, uh, stick around. And remember, podcasts of this and other Healing Quest shows are available at our website, HealingQuest.tv. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Healing Quest. I'm Roy Walkenhorst. And I'm Judy Brooks, and you're listening to Healing Quest on iHeartRadio. I'm taming my inner critic. You're not welcome here anymore. I'm taming my inner critic. Allow me to kick you out the door. Hi, I'm Judy Ray, and welcome to Wild Woman Wisdom. Well, I hope if you have an inner critic, you're taming yours too. Uh, when I was preparing for today's show and deciding what I wanted to talk about, I thought I would just start from right where I am today. So the truth is that lately I have been feeling like, like I hit a wall. Um, I have been questioning almost everything I believe in. I don't like admitting that at this point in my life, but, but it's the truth. Experience has taught me that usually when I'm feeling something so deeply that I am not alone that it's something that has risen to the surface in the collective. So I wanted to talk about this. Like many of you, I've been struggling with the isolation and the uncertainty, even though things are starting to open up and and feel a, a lot better. I feel like I just have hit a wall. So last week, I checked in with three of my close friends. All three of them are healers and therapists and personal coaches. Well, I, w- I was kind of sad to hear that they were feeling similar to me, but I was also relieved to know that they were all feeling this way. So luckily, you know, we were able to kind of be there for each other. And I, I certainly hope that all of you have people in your life that you can connect with when you're feeling anxious or depressed or just drained. It, it really, really helps. 
perhaps we are all being asked to dive deeper, to find the resources within ourselves to help us get past this current situation. And leave us with more resilience when this is over, because whether we like it or not, some things just have changed probably forever. And, and change, as we all know, is often really hard to accept. Well, as synchronicity would have it, once again, last Sunday, I opened up the New York Times and the front page of the business section was, we have all hit the wall. Well, this is the second time that that has happened to me in the last couple of months. I, I, came, I come up with a topic, and before I can even write it or record it, it's in the New York Times. <laughs> I guess that says, you know, I've always believed that ideas are, are in the air, and those of us who are supposed to pick up on them and run with them do. Now, I'm not sure that I have anything new to add to this conversation, but I'm just going to share what I've been guided to do for myself. Lately, I have been seeing the words in my mind's eye in bold neon letters flashing, inside job, inside job, inside job. I'm interpreting that to mean what we've all heard over the years from many different spiritual practices, and that is that we have the answers. We have all of the answers that are right for us inside of us, not outside of us. You know, we've all heard the old adage, know thyself. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't learn from others or be guided by their insights. We certainly do, and sometimes we need a little help. Well, what I've learned is something I think I've always known, and that is what brings me back to my center and has always been there for me is nature, time in nature. No big surprise there. But sometimes, even though we know something is good for us, that doesn't mean we always do it, especially if we're feeling a bit depressed or anxious. It's easy for apathy to set in. So one of the things I'm doing to stay centered and grounded is simple. I'm following what one of my teachers and mentors, the late Angelus Arian, always taught her students, and that was spending at least one hour a day outdoors for a year will change your life. I, I always try to do that, and, and when I don't, I notice, I notice a difference, especially if I just get caught up in, and I'm not doing the things that I know are going to make me feel better. And being in nature is certainly one of those things. The other thing that has been important for me is rediscovering poetry from 13th century poets to 20th century poets and to 21st century poets, such as Amanda Gorman. She was the Youth Poet Laureate in uh, 2017. And her beautiful poem that she read at the Biden-Harris inauguration was so thoughtful and inspired and actually transcendent. I loved it all. But one phrase really stood out for me, and that was, if we merge mercy with might and might with right, then love becomes our legacy and change our children's birthright. Wow. You know, I've always believed that love is the ultimate healing salve, and one way we create more love in our life is through forgiveness, not only of others, but also ourselves. And, and we've talked about that a lot on both the television and radio show for years. Her poem gave me so much hope for the future generations. She also made me want to read more good poetry. I've been a fan of Rumi since I discovered his work about 25 years ago. 
In fact, I loved it so much that I had an artist paint a couple of his poems on the walls of our office in San Francisco. So it was the first thing you saw when you entered. Uh, Rumi was a 13th century mystic and poet. And one of my favorite poems of his is a simple poem that I often quote or use when I'm counseling people or maybe to find common ground with someone. I find it very fitting for our times. It's titled, Out Beyond Ideas. Out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make any sense. Now, if we could all remember that our ideas of right and wrong are just that. They are our ideas. You know, my wish is that someday um, we can all meet in that field. I'm suggesting that connecting with good poetry might just bring you back to your center. If you've loved poetry but haven't integrated it into your life lately, try rediscovering your favorite poems or finding new ones. And if you have never been exposed to poetry or interested in it, you just might discover something new and beautiful to add to your life. Or take a stab at writing some of your own, even if it's just for you. We recently interviewed professor of psychiatry Norman Rosenthal on our Healing Quest radio show about his new book, Poetry Rx. And we highly recommend his book on the subject as poetry for healing. I love what he says. It's a balm for the mind and body and a vaccine for the soul. That's the kind of vaccine I like. I I also want to recommend a new book that just launched this week from my friend, author, teacher, and Unity Online radio show host of Ask Dr. Dream, Kelly Sullivan Walden. It's called Luminous Humanness. Love the title. 365 Ways to Grow and Glow. It was 14 years in the making, and the timing of its release seems to be pretty divine to me. It's full of inspiring insights and uplifting messages for each day of the year. Now, I just received my copy, and it's hard not to want to just read all of them at once. Each day has a theme and an inspiration and an affirmation that can set the tone for your day. I'm going to close this week's podcast with the inspiration and affirmation for today from Luminous Humanness, available now on Amazon or at kellysullivanwalden.com. The title for today is, Do You Have Any Idea How Magnificent You Are? Like no matter your level of self-esteem, whether it's the lowest or highest that is humanly possible, you have not scratched the surface of how glorious and gorgeous you truly are. You are a -a one-of-a-kind phenomenon of spirit in a human body, and the magnificence you bring to life cannot be measured. Take a breath and contemplate the multifaceted, jaw-dropping, star-studded being you are and the magnificence that you, and only you, bring to life. Love it. And the affirmation for the day is, I see myself with awe as my self-love soars to the heavens. You know, it's things like that. They're small things, but they can really lift our spirits and help us soar. Well, that's my show for today. I hope some of this resonates with you. You are listening to Wild Woman Wisdom on nowwithpurpose.com. 
For more episodes, please visit my website, wildwomanwisdom.org, and follow me on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I'm Judy Ray, and I hope you all have a luminous day. I'm taming my inner critic. You have no power over me. I'm taming my inner critic. Knowing my worth has finally set me free. So back off. Well, you know, I really like sharing my Wild Woman Wisdom podcast here with all of you. If And if you like these and you want to be a part of the Wild Woman Wisdom community, reach out to me on Facebook, uh, either at our Healing Quest, uh, on Healing Quest Facebook or wildwomanwisdom.org uh, Facebook. Well, that's our Healing Quest for today. I'm Judy Brooks, and for my partner, Roy Walkenhorst, thanks so much for joining us this week. And thanks, too, to the great team at Just Thrive Health and Clearlight Infrared Saunas for their support in helping us bring Healing Quest to you every week. You know, um, we love their products. We love sharing them with you. They're, thanks to them. And we hope you'll join us again next week for Healing Quest right here on iHeartRadio or wherever you choose to listen to your podcast. Have a great week.